0: This episode of Podcastification, you're going to hear about one of the most powerful and pretty new podcast hosting solutions you're ever going to see. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com. And this is Podcastification. Podcastification is all about you teaching you how to podcast how to put into practice the best practices that i and my team have learned in working with hundreds of clients you are gonna podcast better from listening to this show if you like what you hear on podcastification please just hit the pause button swipe to the sharing function on your app and share this episode with somebody you know will benefit and if you'd like to get in on more podcastification goodness you can do it by subscribing to our Podcast Optimizer email series, and I promise you, you won't get lots of junk. You'll just get one actionable email a week. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer. That is enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Mark Asquith, so good to be with you today. How are things over there on the other side of the pond?
1: Pretty good, thank you. It's always nice to be able to say that, give the weird way that 2020 has treated us all but we're doing all right thanks man we're doing all right what about you
0: good i don't know if you remember my family is entirely mobile anyway we live in a big rv and so we've been traveling around a bit but this summer we've been in colorado which is one of the places that's opened up a little more so we've actually been able to enjoy some restaurants and get out and see your kids and that kind of thing so it's been good
1: i love colorado it's one of my uh, my favorite places
0: yeah, for sure. One of the most beautiful places in the US, that's for sure. Well, I was hoping that in our conversation today, we can kind of do a background synopsis of where you've come from, but also talk some about the things you're doing in podcasting. Because I think for my listeners, you have some things to offer that are quite honestly very unique. Uh, Full disclosure here, I am a customer of Captivate. I have an account that I have a small podcast on that's quite honestly, I, I set up as a trial just to see how Captivate was. And I'm so impressed. I wanted to invite you to come and talk about the platform a little bit. But let's back up from there. I understand that your move into adulthood and therefore into a career started out with a story about blonde highlights in your hair can you
1: can you tell us that crazy story i've got a few stories mate that's for sure i just get bored really quickly of things and there's nothing that bores me more than someone doing something for no reason and quite literally doing something because they have been told to do it and that's where the blonde highlights come in i want to say i was 23 when i set my own business up in 2005 which is fascinating to me, like 15 years have passed, which is, this freaks me out. So I come from this weird little background, come from this mining town, and my generation was the one that, after the mining part of the town was decimated, and before the digital part of the town was created, my generation was the gap in the middle. Like my dream was just to get a job. I thought, I'll get an office job. It's cushy because no one around me in this little village really had office jobs. Like there were miners or there were manufacturers or there were factory workers. So to me, having this office job was amazing. So I had this office job for a couple of years. And uh, there was a big tipping point where I got dragged into the office (laughs) by the manager. And he sat me down and just said, you can't have those blonde highlights. I said, what? This is ridiculous. Why can't I have these blonde highlights? He said, it's against company policy. I said, well, I don't see anyone. I don't visit anyone. I'm not client facing. I literally do that data management and, and analysis. No, 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 but you can't have them. Yeah, but why can't I have them? Like show me something that states a good reason. Like I'm that guy, like I'm the outspoken guy. So obviously the boss doesn't like that. It was an interesting tipping point for me because his answer was just, you just can't because I say so. And I was like, no, mate, like this is not happening So I just thought, well, that's fine. That's no problem. But what I want you to do is go out into the workplace, go and grab Christine that sits opposite to me, go and grab Ruth, go and grab everyone else that have got highlights in the hair and make them take theirs out. Mm. And I was just dismissed out of the office and never heard anything about it. What was fascinating for me, the thing that, that really tipped in my brain was that this guy really, he's probably good at his job, but he doesn't really care about it. He's just ticking a box because someone's told him to tick a box. And that was the switch, man. I was like, that's it. I'm out. And then very, very quick kind of version of what came next. I applied for another job. So we're sandwiched between two major cities in UK, Sheffield and Leeds, right in the middle of them. And I was working in Leeds. So I got this new job working in Sheffield and it was like two grand more every year. So I'm 21 thinking this is brilliant. I've got two grand more a year. And uh, I left the job on the Friday. Like I put my notes in, worked my notice period, left on a Friday. Monday morning, turned up at this new job. Oh man. And it was depressing. It was like the same job. It's like I put my pen down in one city and picked my pen up in another city. It was the <laughs> same crap. And uh, I just went into the boss. I just said, look, mate, his name was Graham. I was like, really good to meet you, Graham but I'm out I'm done I'm not coming back I'm done I've done 2 hours this is enough and that was the last time I worked for anyone
0: so was it just the nature of the brainless kind of activity and doing things for no reason that turned you off or was it that it was it was like sucking your soul away i mean what what was it
1: the latter the fact that it was just soul destroying it was a pointless waste of my time to be there and earn you know what wasn't a very good salary It was the mindless nature of the anonymous decision-making that was the straw that brought the camel's back. So it was actually both of those things. And it was the event of the, you have to do X, Y, and Z that made me realise that everything else, all that soul-destroying part of it was the bit that was just bubbling underneath the surface. And I didn't want to do that. It was certainly the event that triggered it. But then when I stopped to think about it, it was like something snapped. Like this is my usual decision-making process. Like I've made the decision way before I've even decided to think about making the decision, like my subconscious has usually done the work. And there's usually an event that triggers and I'm like, right, that's the right thing for me to do next. Uh, And that's what happened.
0: So I'm trying to imagine myself at that age, 23, 24, you know, I still had a whole lot of things to figure out. I mean, you just made this decision to step out of this quote unquote career that you had begun. What did you have on the radar as far as where am I going to go now? (laughs)
1: That was way too forward thinking. No, no, no. (laughs) There was none of that. (laughs) That would have been nice. I think that's maybe a symptom of youth. I didn't realize that Richard Branson had said, say yes to everything and figure it out until about six years ago. And that was just how I thought. So I've always been that guy that's like, you know, can you do this? Well, probably. Like, I don't know. Just let me try it. And if I can do it, I can do it. So I've always had that kind of approach to things. And When I left the job, there was a symptom of youth because I was just like, oh, what's the worst thing happened? I'll just get another job doing this. I've got three years experience doing it. Another Richard Bransonism, which is protect the worst case. My worst case was always to just go and do that. So all I had to do next to do any better was do something that would become the worst case. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea (laughs) what I was going to do. And I'll tell you what I did, which is really random, considering that I'm in podcasting now, and I've always been in tech and computing and all that sort of stuff. I actually went and worked with my dad, who was an electrician. I did a year of just, I went and started the apprenticeship. I did all sorts of different things around um, electrical installation with my dad, who had been doing it, you know, 30, 40 years. And I did that for a year. And then I taught myself into being a contractor and a freelancer, managed to talk myself into a really well-paying contract, which taught me another important lesson, which, uh, you know, maybe we'll get onto, which was, is arguably the bigger lesson. But I had no plan, dude. I was just like, what's the worst case? I'll just go back to doing this.
0: Yeah, well, that's fascinating. So it sounds like when you stepped into that freelancing thing and establishing some jobs, you kind of got that entrepreneurial bite or bug in your system. And just reading a little about your background, it, it sounds like by 2008, you actually started an agency of some sort, working on digital assets and those kind of things. What exactly was it that you were producing for people?
1: We were producing digital stuff, you know, that ranges from web to brand to building digital platforms, you know, building actual platforms such as educational software and so on, right through to digital marketing. You know, we were a full service agency and I created that off the back. (laughs) I was freelancing, I was doing some contract work, which was a startling day rate at 23, 24. And I, I quit that as well. And the reason for that was just because it was amazing money, but there was still someone telling me to do pointless crap. And I was like, the money is not worth you telling me to do pointless crap. I'd, have, I'd rather have less money. And then I was in a band and I said to my friend, dude, we need a website. Do you mind knocking one up? He works for the council. He does websites. He said, yeah, of course I will. It'd be £800. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. We don't have any money. We're a band in our 20s. Who, who can pay 800 quid for this? So I learned how to code learned how to build stuff, locked myself away for a year, apart from the occasional uh, drinking session, locked myself away for a year. Then me being me, and this is this will relate directly to podcasting later, <laughs> it's just the same as like with photography and anything else that I do. I never just go, this is a hobby, apart from golf, because I'm terrible at it, but everything else, I'm like, how could I do something in this? <laughs> I didn't just go, I'm going to create a website for the band I'm like, wait a second, who do I know that I could build websites for and make money from? That was instant. And now I can do enough on the web. I may as well start an agency. So I started an agency. So we grew that. We did that for about 11 years. It was great. It was was rocky at times. It was difficult. It was an agency ultimately. But, you know, we worked with Bosch. We worked with Adobe. We did New York Times work. We did Fortune magazine covers. We built education platforms that are still in use today across the world. And that was because I learned how to do CSS and HTML an old school action script in 2005 in my bedroom. And that's what I'm like. Like I'm obsessive with stuff like that, which I, it does directly relate to podcasting. Cause I never just think I'll do this. I think I want to know everything about this and I'm going to do something pretty sweet with it. And that's how the agency started. And then, you know, we can track that through to today really.
0: Did you find when you started your own agency that the marketing and sales side of things came kind of naturally for you? Or did you have to like bone up on that as well and figure it out?
1: Both. So one thing that we're never taught is that communication is a really important skill and it's a saleable skill. No one teaches that in school, in college, university, unless you are majoring in something that is communication. No one says, do you know what? Being able to communicate is really important. And I, for a long time, I thought I didn't have any skills. I could do a bit of coding I've got a fair design eye, but it's only compositional. I can't create. And I I was like, well, what are my skills? What can I actually do? But things came easy. So what I mean is opportunities came easy. You know, I'd have a conversation with someone and I'd end up with the job. Like I've never been to a job interview and not got the job. Most of the jobs I didn't want, but I've always approached everyone at the same, like the managing director or the CEO of the business who called me in for the highlights. I had no more respect for him though than I would have for the person emptying the trash can. Everyone is the same and deserves the same level of respect to me. And I didn't realise any of this. It's only later that I figured it out. So what I would do is I would go into pitch meetings or, you know, I would look at like local contracts, government contracts or whatever. I'd, I'd just end up getting them because no one else was treating them like real people, they were pitching. And I was just going in there and talking to them about Star Wars and DC Comics and, you know, they're all humans. So that communication part is a skill that no one told me was commercially valuable. So that part was natural. So when it came to marketing, it was very clear for me that actually I'm good at communicating, but I can't necessarily one, prove it. And two, I probably can't reach the peak of it because I've not studied it. So then I actually went back One of my first salaries that I took as a freelancer, I did two things with it. Actually, I I invested in a teaching qualification and then in a set of marketing qualifications over the next few years. And those were the things that allowed me to build it. So the communication was something that came naturally, but the actual, how the heck do you do marketing? That's come from learning to try and understand people and and learning to map the way that you communicate to what people really want. Because a lot of the time people don't really know what they want. They just know what they're hurting from, you know?
0: Yeah, I totally get that. I've had to kind of do a self-study as well in marketing, business building, all that stuff, because I'd never done this kind of stuff before. And it's, I love your figure it out attitude. I mean, I've, I had a dad who demonstrated that, you know, just in a hands-on way in the garage, you know, if there was something that need fixed, he would figure it out. And I just kind of adopted a mindset that, yeah, you can fix things, you can figure things out. And, and I, I really appreciate that. Now, I read something on your website that said, in some of those transitions, you came to a realization about what it says was a deeper morality in business. Uh, I'm very curious about that
1: statement. What did, what does that mean for you? There are a few different layers to that. The first one is what do you really want? I did a TEDx talk on this and one of the lessons I learned very quickly was I left the job that we just spoke about and I was like, well, this is all right. I'll just, you know, I'll work with my dad, I'll do a bit of electrics, it'll be fun, learn that trade. And because of the communication skills, I managed to blag my way into an exceptionally high paying contract. I got a phone call one day. I'm out on a job with my dad and it was, hi, Mark, we've seen your curriculum vitae. We've seen your resume somewhere. We'd like to talk to you about being a contractor working for the national health service, teaching people how to do things with our new system. So like being a train, the trainer kind of person. Could you do it? I was like, yeah, if you want, of course I could. I had no idea what the salary was for that. It was a day rate salary. And suddenly overnight I went from earning 20 grand to earning about 200 grand at 23. Oh my goodness. Oh, it was insane. <laughs> I 10X the entire thing. I did that for two years. There is a point to this, which is that I did that for two years and my day rate suddenly went up. And by the end of that, I'd work for the ministry of defense. I was left to my own devices for much of that contract. And that was a big lesson, which I'll get to in a sec. And, all the way through it, I was earning money. I was billing a day rate. And in some contracts, I was billing up front. So dude, there was times where I would bill a contract and they would pay me tens of thousands for the month and they wouldn't use me. But, and this is the lesson, and the reason that I always use the, the entire scale of money in that story is to offset it against the next bit. Because you have to understand how much money is involved in this sort of thing. Because I quit doing that as well. And the reason is that I could get paid all that money at 23, 24, which was, it's every kid's dream. But that one time that someone called me and told me that I needed to be 200 miles away was one of the days that I needed to be at home with my family. And I couldn't be, I had to go all for 20 grand, 10 grand, 50 grand, And that made me realise that actually the thing that I want, so because I come from this kind of poorish background, because there was no real progression, I, you know, got the office job. I thought I wanted money because that's the big solution. And it gives you freedom, it gives you space, but all you need is enough. And the lesson that I learned, which was far more valuable, was the thing that I actually want is control. And that is the key thing. That's what business means to me. If you go into business... You do it not because you want the money, because you are the last to leave, the first to turn up, the last to get paid. And for the most part, for the longest time, you're probably going to earn the least money. Your staff, your VAs, they all earn before you do. You know, you are the last to get paid, but it's a hell of a ride and it's really good fun. And do you know what? If I want to take the kid out, I take the kid out. And if I want to go and just knock some golf balls or take Sam out and go to the coast, guess what? I can do that. And that is what was important. It was how I want to live my life. And that is the key thing in business is you don't go into business to earn money. You go into business because you want to live your life in a certain way. So back to the question, because I think that's a very important precursor. The answer to the question is that for me, the thing that matters in business is working with the people that you want to work with. I run a software company. If you are a tool to one of our staff members, the second you drop an F-bomb, you're out. That is it. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're paying me. I don't care if you're going to write a bad review online. You are out because no one turns up at work to feel bad. That's the choice that we've made. So this is this is something that so many people in business don't get. They believe that, number one, they believe you're your own boss. You're not. If you're a service agency and you got 10 clients, you got 10 bosses, (laughs) unless you frame it, you have to frame it. So the big, big thing to take from this is business is not a master servant relationship. You pay me 19 bucks a month for Captivate doesn't mean you've got a right to be a tool. And likewise, you pay me 19 bucks a month for Captivate, I've got a duty of care to look after you like you're one of my team. And if you live by those ethics business becomes quite easy. And the fact of the matter is that so many people don't get that. And the reason for that is that they've got the fear, the fear of losing the money. But you've got to understand that no one gets into business to feel bad. No one gets into business to lose sleep. No one gets into business to take what I call bad money, which is money from people that you don't ever get along with. You can't work with people that are going to make you feel like you don't want to do what you do. Because if you do, that's a slippery slope. That's a race to the bottom. And it's really tough.
0: Yeah, it is really tough. That, that You know, that client that when you see their email pop up in your inbox, you just feel that knot in the pit of your stomach. You know, that's you don't want to feel that. And so I, I totally agree with what you're saying. We've got a, a saying here as part of our team that my team comes before the clients. And I say that to the clients. Because I believe if if my team is happy and if I'm fulfilling them and as as far as their work environment and their expectations and rewards they receive, they're going to serve the clients well. It's just going to happen. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. I think the next place I wanted to go in your story was you began a podcast called Excellence Expected. Now, that's a very interesting idea for a podcast given the way that it's presented on your website. Why don't you describe to us what you did there and more importantly, why you did it the way that you did.
1: Yeah, that's old school, that not it? So I got into podcasting in 2013 and I got into podcasting largely because of comics. I got into uh, rereading some of the DC stuff when they relaunched it. So I was like, this is great. What can I do? I'll start a blog with a mate of mine, talk about this pop culture stuff. And he said, why don't we start a podcast? I was like, that's ridiculous. Lost is not on TV anymore. What are we going to talk about? I don't have a basement. Where am I going to sit? And I like wearing clothes that aren't just underwear. We can't possibly do a podcast. Like that was the perception of it. Like he basically forced me to, Gaz forced me to do it. And I still podcast with him to this day. We started this podcast, instantly got obsessed. So (laughs) I was like, this is awesome. I can do what I want. No one can control it. Then I started thinking, well, wait a sec, we've got this agency over here and I'm really tough on myself. You put a target in front of me in terms of like, you have to hit these revenue targets. No one will be as tough on me as, as I'm on myself. So like, give me the targets that, you know, no one will wake themselves up any more than I will. You know, I'm awake three to 5am thinking because that is how hard I am on myself. So it got me thinking that this would be an interesting way to, um, relate to people. People are always asking me questions about the agency, like, how have I done this? How's Kyle, the uh, the creative director done this? How's Don, the print manager? How's he done this? How's Mark, the photographer? How did we do this thing? So I thought, well, wait a sec, I've got all the gear for a podcast. I'll start a podcast. And do you know what? I'm going to name it Excellence Expected because I, as a business person, always expect myself to be excellent. And I'm hard on myself when I don't. So the the, the name came from a Steve Jobs quote, which is uh, the famous quote, which is not everyone's used to working in an environment where excellence is expected. So I did this podcast and I thought to myself, this is cool. I'll do an interview podcast about business. But no one's doing that. And obviously everyone's doing it. And I was like, oh God, now what? That's not amazing. But I did it. You know, I did it for 150 episodes, honed my interview skills, got confident in front of the camera and the microphone. And I regularly republish my first ever episode of Excellence Expected. I regularly put that in my podcast accelerator feed because it's that robotic that people wouldn't believe it. And I'm grateful for the interview show for getting me comfortable doing this. So I did that really as a way of saying that, If you're in business, there are other people like you that will beat themselves up as much as you do about not being what they perceive to be their very best every single day. And that's where Excellence Expected came from. And dude, that was a huge learning curve. And then a week after that, this is not even exaggeration, I was like, we should do podcasting tech businesses. And then we set off on that path as well. So- just get obsessed, man. Just get obsessed.
0: Yeah. Isn't it interesting how when you get immersed in something for the first time, somehow as a new user or a new proficient in that, your eyes are opened to all the needs and all the opportunities, therefore, if you're entrepreneurial, for meeting those needs. And and that's exactly how my business started as well, was seeing the need for editing and production. So it, it's really interesting to hear that story. So what was it about podcasting in particular that you loved so much that it was something you could see yourself investing time, energy, excellence in to develop software and services and tech for the the industry.
1: I think the attraction of podcasting was that it's completely unmetered. You know, it was fun. We could just do it. We could have a laugh. No one could tell me that I couldn't do it. And I could say what I wanted, really, as long as, I, you know, I'm a fair and respectful guy, so I'm never going to say anything that's disrespectful. But I could say whatever I wanted. No one could say you're wrong. And if they could say you're wrong, cool, just don't listen. We're all good. So it was quite a liberating experience to be able to get into that. But then I was fascinated by the accessibility of it. So when I got into podcasting, there was, this was in 2013, there was maybe 190,000 podcasts top end. Now we're at 1.4 mil and it's just, you know, there are 135,000 added just last month. When I got into it, it, it was this very accessible medium, not just for me, the recorder, and the podcaster and the creator. But for me, the person wanting to attach myself to people that I really admired. So Kevin Smith, you know, obviously the guy behind Morats and Clerks and everything from Batman to Green Arrow to The Flash, you know, all this big creator stuff. He was one of the first podcasts, the Batman podcast that he's got that I listened to. And he was kind of the person that made me realise this could be sticky. This could be something that I love doing. And then a couple of years later, I got to chat to him. We spent some time together. Articulated to him the fact that, The reason that I stuck with this thing and it's not just a fad is because when you start to do this, you kind of become empowered, like you lean into your own voice because you're constantly told either be quiet or not everyone's going to like you or you shouldn't really say that or your opinions, you shouldn't have those or you don't have value or you're no fun, you're not. But the second you press record and you get that first download, you're like, well, wait, All this stuff they've told me is rubbish. People are listening. For me, it became this sticky thing that maybe helped me with a little bit of personal therapy, where it brought me out of my shell a little bit. But the reason that I stay in it is because I see that happening every single day. You know, the community stuff that we run for Rebel Based Media. We did a deep dive Q&A last night in our Facebook group for all of our users. And it's every day. People are like, I've published my first episode and I can't believe what has happened. And that's why it's so sticky. It really is.
0: Podcast websites you mentioned, Captivate you mentioned. Uh, Tell me the evolution that happened there. I know you started with podcast websites first. Just give me a a little elevator pitch. What is podcast websites?
1: Podcast websites is managed WordPress for your podcast. So if you're a, a podcaster that is intent on becoming an audio influencer, so essentially not just being a creator of a podcast, but you want to build a brand around that podcast, we take care of all the WordPress for you. We'll either host the site with you. We'll give you all the tools that you need, direct integration with podcast hosting, such as Captivate. And we're essentially a 24 seven support team. Don't matter the night, time of night or day that you need us, let us know and we'll, we'll sort your site out. And that was the first product we did that because it was it was easy to spin that up. You know, we partnered with, uh, in the early days, up until actually about last year, we partnered with John Lee Dumas on just a bit of a, a, a very close affiliate relationship. John's a great guy, got a lot of time for him, a lot of respect for he and Kate. Um, and we, we worked together for a long time on that. Brought that to market quickly because we had a web agency and we knew podcasting. So it was like this perfect marrying up of what we did. And then Captivate and the Academy spun out of the back of that. Because what's fascinating about this is that we had a competitor, podcast host a few weeks ago. It was hilarious. They put like a captivate versus X and on their thing, they were trying to throw a bit of shade at us being too busy to help. And it was like, these guys do podcast websites and captivate and the academy. And I was like, this is hilarious because podcast websites included captivate. It included the academy forever. So our first product podcast websites, it was a podcast host, but only for people that we worked with on that web platform. And we had the Education Academy, but only for people that worked with us on that platform. So the rest of the products span out of podcast websites. So Captivate, which is the bigger business, span out of podcast websites, as did the Academy, which is, again, arguably the bigger business. They both span out of this little idea of managing WordPress for podcasters. So, And I still love that business. We still do that to this day. I'm pretty light touch on it now. Lester and the team run that, but that business is still... People love it because like it just takes so much peace of mind and puts it into their hands, you know? So yeah, it was a fascinating little business that, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I can see that because WordPress has so many bells and whistles or can have as a site grows. It's good to know someone is just handling all of that for you. It is probably not obvious yet, but it will be in the second half of this episode that this is an unashamed plug for getting you to sign up for Captivate. I really believe in what Mark and the team over at Rebel Base Media are doing with Captivate. Like I am going to say later on in the episode, uh, I have one show there. I'm going to be moving others there just because I really like the platform and I love the way that it functions. I like the features, which you're going to hear more about in this second part of the episode. But here's my pitch to you, so to speak. I have an affiliate code with a relationship with Captivate, where I get a little cup of coffee for your sign up to Captivate. That link is going to be in the show notes description for this episode. And I don't pitch things that I don't believe in. I don't pitch things that I think are just, you know, so, so Captivate is top notch. And I want you to know that. So check out Captivate. The link is in the description for this episode you will not be disappointed. All right, let's get on to the second half of the interview where Mark fills us in on all of the things that Captivate does that are a bit different than what you've seen before. Let's talk about Captivate then. That's really what I'm most interested in digging into because I, from the moment I saw it, from the moment I started using it, I saw something different, but I don't want to be the one to say that right now. I want I want to hear from your perspective. What was it that you saw was missing in the media host realm for podcasting that you thought you particularly could bring to the market and deliver on?
1: Personality and complete ease of use. Podcast hosts, they just try and sell you on complexity. We are the people that have been here forever. We're going to keep it complicated so that you feel bad and pay us for your RSS feed. (laughs) Well done. It's an API and a web backend. Like you can't trick us anymore. Sorry. So that was the first thing. Like why are people doing this? Why are all the interface, even some of the newer podcasting hosting platforms, the interfaces are just not very good. So, You know, we really said, well, what do I want as a user? But the second thing was honesty and transparency and openness. Every podcast host on the planet, look at the T's and C's, limit your bandwidth. They just don't tell you they limit your bandwidth because it's not a nice thing to talk about. And guess what? They're not very innovative. So what they do is they say, guess what? Here's all the features, but we're going to take these away on this low plan and you got to pay us more for them. The reason they do that is because they can't think of anything new to do we stick our bandwidth limits right on the front page. In fact, that's the only thing you'll get tiered up on. Like if you get more downloads and you earn more from your podcast, we'll tier you up based on the only thing that costs us money, which is the bandwidth out. Everything else is a fixed cost. And then we'll actually design something that is pretty innovative. So we came out of the blocks with the tagline, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host, right? And I've had to defend this to the hilt, but the hilarity of this was right we came out of it. The people that I got messages from like, CEO of XYZ Host and head of MD at this other host like are you saying that we don't care about our podcaster's growth and my retort was always show me what you've done to prove that you care about the growth It'd give me one piece of evidence obviously no reply so it was a fascinating thing for us because I had to defend that even up until recently people are like why are you growth oriented Maybe for the first six months, I had to really defend that. Even to our advisors, James Cridland from Pod News, Evo Terra, Dan J. Lewis, Jordan Arbinger, Chris Ducker. I had to defend this to them. Why is it the growth-oriented bit? And I said, look, let me build with the team version one. And version one is just going to do the same thing that every podcast host does. And it will do it just as well, but it's going to be easier. And it's going to be IAB certified. And it's just going to be a delight to use. And we're going to overlay our personality on it. We're going to be very straight talking. We're going to be very open. We're going to be very honest. And guess what? Rather than making you feel like a fool for not knowing the answer, like some other people representing hosting companies in Facebook's do, we're going to make you feel good about learning the answer. We'll treat you like a person. But after version one, let us do our thing. I'll show you what the growth oriented bit means. And sure enough, after we got to that version one, it's like, oh, wait a second, one-click sponsor kits. Wait a second. Bandwidth limit increases for everyone. Single subscription links for people. Clickable timestamps. The embeddable... Pl- Everything that we've done now is to make your growth easier. So, okay, what link do I promote when I'm selling my podcast to people? I don't know. Do you tell them to subscribe in Apple or... I don't know. What do you do? Well, there's the single subscription link. Oh, and guess what? Rather than paying some other company, one of the other single subscription link companies, five, ten bucks a month... Just have it as part of your hosting. I think that has been the ethos of Captivate is that like you, the podcaster, have to come first because it's all well and good sitting behind the heritage of 15 years in podcasting and saying, well, we're one of the OG podcast companies or, you know, we believe podcasting should be done like that. I'm really sorry, but it's not your industry anymore. It's everyone's, you know, yes, you're as big a part of it. And we respect that. And everyone does respect that. And we thank you for that and for the continued contribution. But guess what? Other people have got voices and opinions as well. And this is right back to why you can't have highlights in your hair. Just because someone said it's always been like that doesn't mean it should be like that. And it's the same red thread that runs through it all. And there's been a lot of lessons with that. You know, there's been a heck of a lot of second guessing, you know, having the confidence to be like that when everyone's telling you that you should do things differently. You know, we've had to stand up for what we believe in. You know, when we released the collections feature a couple of weeks ago, it was like, oh man, I didn't even know I needed this thing. Same with the, one, the one-click sponsor kit is the prime example. You're an independent podcaster. You don't know how to pitch to sponsors. That's fine. Press this button. There's a pitch. People were like, why, why didn't you think of this? <laughs>
0: Now, I want to real quickly just run through the features that are listed on your page for Captivate and have you give us just a little quick blurb of what that title actually means. The first one that's on there is Advanced Analytics. What makes them advanced?
1: So they're IAB-certified analytics, but they also give you more insight into what's actually going on. Are you trending up? Are you trending down? You can do an episode deep dive into the number of uh, downloads that you get per hour, and it just shows you a lot more data at a glance than having to pay 20 bucks for some more advanced analytics that are really hard to use.
0: Unlimited podcasts. What in the heck does that mean? Are you talking about unlimited episodes, or are you meaning unlimited shows?
1: Both, actually. When was the first time that the first podcast you ever did stuck? When was that the one that had the big hits? It wasn't. People get immersed, they get addicted, they get obsessed. I hear my voice back. I want to create a new podcast about, oh, look, I'm into Rubik's Cubes. I'm going to do a Rubik's Cube podcast. That's how we work. So other hosts say to you, you've got to pay per RSS fee because guess what? We don't know how else to charge because frankly, we've got no innovation. So we said, you know what? Start as many podcasts as you want go ahead, try it, kick the tires. We know your first podcast might not be the one that sticks. Let's not penalise you for being creative. So unlimited shows and unlimited episodes as well.
0: And so all of the downloads from all of those shows go toward your quota for that account.
1: Yeah, you got it. So on the lowest plan, if you get 12,000 downloads, they can be split across as many shows as you want. So you could create your entire network and have a thousand downloads across 12 podcasts and you'd still be on the 19 bucks a month plan.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, importing your show for free. So that basically means if you move from another media host to Captivate, it just gets done. You don't have to pay a fee for that.
1: Yeah, that's done and that's easy. It's actually a very, very good process. Very simple, very powerful process. You just pop your RSS feed in and we just drag everything over for you. And uh, we talk you through that. We've got very strong kind of touch points on that with you as well. So yeah, that's mega simple.
0: Okay. Stunning podcast player. Now I really do like the player. Tell us about some of the features on the player.
1: Oh, the player's always changing, man. We do so much with it. So the podcast player is fully responsive. So you can embed it on your website. It plays on Twitter and it works on every device. So it doesn't matter the size of the device, whether it's a phone or whatever, it looks amazing. Some of the fun things that we've got in there is we support donation links. So we work by integrating Patreon links or Supercast links or whatever you want. We give you the ability to have calls to action in there. So you can say, look, download my ebook, do this thing. The pretty cool thing that I like about it, which is why it looks so good so quickly, is that it designs itself based on your podcast cover art. So if you've got red and blue cover art, guess what? Your podcast player will look absolutely perfect against your cover art from day one. Like you don't have to do anything with it.
0: Don't have to add the little hex codes or anything.
1: Nope, it will do it for you. You can change the hex codes and you can customize the entire thing. You can turn off the show notes. You can turn off the logo for us. You can turn off the download, The sh- you can customize this entire thing. But if you don't, it will just design itself and look awesome. That was a big thing. We want to take away the friction for people.
0: And you mentioned in that calls to action built in, you're talking about on the player.
1: Yeah. So what that means is that you'll have a little links icon on the player. You press the links icon, it will pop up and you've got two or three buttons that you can then click to take action. I use that a heck of a lot on my show. So I'll be like, look, if you're listening on the web, stick the links icon, click on that, and you'll see that there's a link into this ebook that I'm giving away or to a webinar that we're doing. And it just, it works really nicely. That's
0: cool. Automatic podcast website. Now, I know some other media hosts provide a website. Sometimes they look kind of (laughs) 1990-ish. The Captivate website does not look that way. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, we were the same as you do. We were like, why does everything look bad? We've got a background in web design. You know, that's what we did for 11, 12 years. So we we generate you an automatic site. You know, you just stick your colours in. If you want to put a header in, stick a header in. If you don't, that's all good. It links up with your Patreon. It integrates with Podchaser. It's fully responsive, so it works on any device. You can use your own custom domain at no extra cost. And it's just automatically generated. Now, the cool thing with it is, of course, that that's for people that want to spin a show up very, very quickly. That's the point of it, is that, you know, so many people say, well, does it do this? Does it do that? No, why would we want it to? Because you want to spin your show up today. If you want it to do X, Y, and Z, you know, you'll be using WordPress or something else. So it's for those people that really want to spin a show up and it it looks fantastic. In fact, we've got two more themes coming out for that shortly as well. So you'll be able to pick from the design. So yeah, I like that feature because it means that I can, (laughs) I can actually spin new podcasts up really quickly.
0: You can just get started. You don't have to hire a web developer and all that as well. You just get going. I love it. Unlimited team members, it says. So I'm assuming signing into the back end, handling the show, the uploading, all that. You can have a, like a VA and yourself and someone else. You can just all have their own login.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So as long as you're the owner, you can assign as many team members as you want to any show that you want and they'll have different permissions and you can set what you want them to do. So VA is a perfect example. Or if your producer does the uploading or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's that's exactly the use case.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Analytics anywhere. Explain that one.
1: It just means you can get it anywhere you want. So it's on your mobile. It's You're not tied to a desktop. It's like a nice little mobile app that you can use. You log into it on the web and it just looks cool. So we've designed it you know, with mobile in mind as well. So you can just take them anywhere. You know what podcasters are like? <laughs> it's like, what are my analytics this hour? Um, <laughs> so you can just take it where you want. Yeah. Or
0: talking to somebody over coffee. Uh, yeah, we have 200 downloads as of right now. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And then thoughtful podcast marketing. This seems pretty unique. So explain
1: this one to me. So the marketing suite is really where it gets quite interesting. So this is where things like your one-click sponsor kit exist, where you can stick an avatar in. So, okay, describe your audience and then click this button and it will generate a one-click PDF sponsor kit that guess what? is designed in your colours that includes your contact information that's got your cover art on there.
0: Let's define that real quickly. By sponsor kit, you mean a piece of material to hand to a sponsor, say, here's our show, here's why you should sponsor, all of that kind of thing.
1: That's it. Yeah, it's a pitch we did a lot of work with that consulting. We saw, obviously we're fortunate enough to know a lot of the ad agencies and a lot of the people that are representing podcasts. And we said, look, first and foremost, what are they looking for? Give us that, let us know what they want. And you know, we had some insights on that having gone through sponsorships ourselves and we designed that sponsor pitch deck to be very clear and just say, this is a one sheet just to pique the interest. So the podcaster doesn't have to say, well, what the heck do I put in an email? you know, click and download it. The other thing that we've got there is we've got a lot of stuff around some new features that we'll be doing. So publishing to YouTube, publishing to Facebook video and so on and so forth. But also we've got the single subscription link in there. So we give everyone what we call the forward slash listen page, which is automatically generated. It works on every device. And essentially what it does is it's your single subscription link. So if you're saying, look, go and subscribe to my podcast or go and check the trailer out. It's at mydomain.com slash listen that directs people to this single page where people can go, ah, right, okay, I'll listen in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And that gets you around that problem of, well, where do I send people? Because I don't know what people are going to be doing. And the marketing suite has really only just got started. Like a lot of the stuff that we're building is around the marketing of podcasts and the analysis of podcasts. And that this is where the growth orientation side of it really comes into play. Because I think our job as a host is to make your life easier and give you the tools that you need to market that show. Because if you have to learn marketing in order to be a successful podcaster, which everyone has to learn a bit, I'd rather you didn't have to learn the tools as well. Learn the concepts and how our tools fit into that. So that's, that's the pressure that we're trying to take a little bit off.
0: That's great. Now let me clarify on the one-click subscription link. Those are device-specific. So if someone's looking at your link on, say, an iOS device, it's only going to show options that are true for their device. Is that correct?
1: So actually, at the minute, it shows everything. And we we made that choice purposely because we didn't know what people wanted. So what the next version of that will do, it will actually take it a step further and actually take you to the app that you have installed for your podcast on the device. So we kind of did the version one, which was, look, so we automatically generate a subscription link. So if, if you give us your Apple ID, we automatically generate your Overcast ID, your Pocket Cast link, and so on. So we thought, right, let's put those into play. And then let's listen to the feedback. This is quite an interesting point in the dev cycle, because if you do too much too soon, assuming what people want, you often get it wrong. So we said, well, tell you what, let's do the basic, listen to what people want, and then version 1.5 will be, let's do the sniffing of the device out. So it's always interesting to learn like that.
0: Yeah, and in 1.5, what if they had two podcast apps, because I happen to have two podcast apps on my
1: phone right now. Well, depending on the device. So that's down to the operating system to figure out what to show you. But theoretically, what it would do is it would say, you you know, like uh, on Gmail, if you want to open uh, on our iOS, if you open a link, it's like, do you want to do this in Chrome or do you want to do it in, uh, in Safari? It'll be that kind of setup. Got
0: it. And then you could choose every time or one time option or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Now, one last question about the one sheets. The thing that came to my mind, maybe it can be modified to be this way, or maybe it's an idea for your further development is, can you do a sponsor kit, but rather it's a guest kit where you can modify the thing and word it to appeal to a potential guest who you're trying to pitch
1: to be on your show? All I'll say to that one is keep your eyes peeled. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some interesting stuff coming around, the wider help that we can give people in that space. So keep an eye on that.
0: Okay, great. Well, Mark, I sure appreciate your time and I appreciate Captivate. I've been pondering. I've I've got about four shows on one media host and then one on Captivate because I started, as I said, as kind of a demo to try it out. And I'm probably going to move at least three of those other four over to Captivate just because it's so simple and so easy to use. The other I won't just because bandwidth limitations would make it a very expensive proposition for me on <laughs> Captivate. It's a there's a very successful show already and it's going to kill me on cost if I did that. But, you know, who knows? Maybe you guys will modify that in time as well. So, Mark, I appreciate your time. Uh, is there anything uh, you would like to say to my audience of podcasters and wannabe podcasters to encourage them in their journey toward getting their voice heard?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think just keep doing what you're doing, you know, keep persisting, keep trying things, keep being tenacious, you know, don't be afraid of putting your own style of voice out there and kick the tires on Captivate as well. I think you'll like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate
1: it. (laughs) Hello.
0: All right. So what do you think? Captivate sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Like I mentioned at the mid-roll, check out the link in the description for this episode. It's right there in your podcast player or app. And see what Captivate has to offer you. If you're a brand new podcaster, I can't think of a more simple way to get your media host, your website, a beautiful looking uh, way of branding yourself and your show out there quickly. Captivate is the way to do it. And if you're an experienced podcaster, man, there are a lot of features in Captivate you're not going to see anywhere else, at least not yet. No one else has copied them yet. So get over to Captivate. Check it out. Use that link in the show notes and you'll buy me a cup of coffee at the same time or something, who knows, maybe a tank of gas. Hey, I appreciate you listening to Podcastification. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode and anything else we're doing over at podcastfastdirect.com. We have all kinds of services, all kinds of ways we can help you. Check us out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcastification. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day.